Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for uh, listening in again. This is Chadwick Daigle, and I am doing a dramatic reading of R.A. Salvatore's The Legend of Drizzt, Book One, Homeland. And I will get right into it. Chapter 20, That Foreign World. The fourteen members of the patrol group made their way through twisting tunnels and giant caverns that suddenly opened wide before them, silent on magical boots and nearly invisible beyond the piwafwis. The communicate, they communicated only in their hand code. For the most part, the ground slope was barely perceptible, though at times the group climbed straight-up rocky chimneys, every step and every handhold drawing them near their goal. They crossed through the boundaries of claimed territories, of monsters and other races, but the hated gnomes and even the Duergar dwarves wisely kept their heads hidden. Few in all the Underdark would purposefully intercept a drow raiding party. By the end of the week, all of the drow could sense the difference in their surroundings. The depth still would have seemed stifling to a surface dweller, but the Dark Elves were accustomed to the constant oppression of a thousand thousand tons of rock hanging over their heads. They turned every corner, expecting the stone ceiling to fly away into the vast openness of the surface world. Breezes wafted past them, not the sulfur-smelling hot winds rising off the magma of deep earth, but moist air, scented with a hundred aromas unknown to the drow. It was springtime above, though the dark elves in their seasonless environs knew nothing of that, and the air was full of the scents of new-blossomed flowers and budding trees. In the seductive allure of those tantalizing aromas, Drizzt had to remind himself again and again that the place they approached was wholly evil and dangerous. Perhaps, he thought, the scents were merely a diabolical lure, a bait to an unsuspecting creature to bring it into the surface world's murderous grip. The cleric of Arachtinlith, who was traveling with the raiding party, walked near to one wall and pressed her face against every crack she encountered. This one's will suffice, she said in short time later. She cast a spell of seeing and looked into the tiny crack, no more than a finger's width a second time. How are we to get through that? One of the patrol members signaled to Dinan. Dinan caught the gestures and ended the silent conversation with a scowl. It is daylight above, the cleric announced. We shall have to wait here. For how long? Dinan asked, knowing the patrol to be on the edge of readiness with their long-awaited goal to so very near. I cannot know, the cleric replied. No more than half a cycle of Narbondal. Let us remove our packs and rest while we may. Dinan would have preferred to continue just to keep his troops busy, but he did not dare speak against the priestess. The break did not prove a long one, though, for a couple of hours later the cleric checked through the crack once more and announced that the time had come. "'You first, Dinan said to Drizzt. Drizzt looked at his brother incredulously, having no idea of how he could pass through such a tiny crack. "'Come,' instructed the cleric, who now held a many-hold orb, Walk past me and continue through. As Drizzt passed the cleric, she spoke the orb's command word and held it over Drizzt's head. Black flakes, blacker than Drizzt's zeppany skin, drifted over him, and he felt a tremendous shudder ripple across his spine. The others looked on in amazement as Drizzt's body narrowed to the width of a hair, and he became a two-dimensional image. 
a shadow of his former self. Drizzt did not understand what was happening, but the crack suddenly widened before him. He slipped into it, found movement in his present form, merely an enactment of will, and drifted through the twists, turns, and bends of the tiny channel like a cha shadow on the broken face of a rocky cliff. He then was in a long cave, standing across from its single exit. A moonless night had fallen, but even this seemed bright to the deep-dwelling dr drow. Drist felt himself pulling toward the exit, toward the surface world's openness. The other raiders began slipping through the crack and into the cavern, then one by one the cleric coming in last. Drist was the first to feel the shudder as his body resumed its natural state. In a few moments they were all eagerly checking the weapons. I will remain here, the cleric told Dinan. Hunt well, the spider queen is watching. Dinan warned his troops again, once again, of the dangers of the surface. Then he moved to the front of the cave, a small hole on the side of a rocky spur of a tall mountain. For the spider queen, Dinan proclaimed. He took a steadying breath and led them through the exit under the open sky. Under the stars, while the others seemed nervous under those revealing lights, Drizzt found his gaze pulled heavenward to the countless points of mystical twinkling. Bathed in the starlight, he felt his heart lift and didn't even notice the joyful singing that rode on the night wind. So fitting, it seemed. Dinan heard the song, and he was experienced enough to recognize it as the eldritch calling of the surface elves. He crouched and surveyed the horizon, picking out the light of a single fire down in the distant expanse of a wooded valley. He nudged his troops to action and pointedly nudged the wonderment from his brother's eyes and started them off. Driss could see the anxiety in his companions' faces, so contrasted by his own explicable sense of serenity. He suspected at once that something was very wrong with the whole situation. In his heart, Drizzt had known from the minute he had stepped out of the tunnel that this was not the vile world the masters of the academy had taken such pain to describe. He did feel unusual with no stone ceiling above him, but not uncomfortable. If the stars calling to his heartstrings were indeed reminders of what the next day would bring, as Master Hatchnet had said, then surely the next day would not be so terrible. Only confusion dampened the feeling of freedom that Drizzt felt, for either he had somehow fallen into a trap of perception, or his companions, his brother included, viewed the surroundings through tainted eyes. It fell on Drizzt as another unanswered burden. Were his feelings of comfort here weakness or truth of heart? They are kin to the mushroom groves of our home, Dinan assured the others as they tentatively moved under the perimeter boughs of a small forest. Neither sentient nor harmful. Still, the younger dark elves flinched and brought their weapons to the ready whenever a squirrel skipped across the branch overhead or an unseen bird called out into the night. The dark elves was a silent world, far different from the chattering life of a springtime forest, and in the underdark nearly every living thing could, and most certainly would, try to harm anything invading its lair. Even a cricket's chirp sounded ominous to the alert ears of the drow. Dinan's course was true, and soon the fairy song drowned out every other sound in the night, and the light of a fire became visible through the boughs. 
Surface elves were the most alert of the races, and a human or even a sneaky halfling would have had little chance of catching them unawares. The raiders this night were drow, more skilled in stealth than the most proficient alley thief. Their footfalls went unheard even across the beds of dry, fallen leaves, and their crafted armor shaped perfectly to the contours of their slender bodies bent with their movements without a rustle. Unnoticed, they lined the perimeter of the small glade where a score of fairies danced and sang. Transfixed by the sheer joy of the elves' play, Drizzt hardly noticed the commands his brother issued then in the silent code. Several children danced among the gathering, marked only by the size of their bodies, and were no freer in spirit than the adults they accompanied. So innocent they all seemed, so full of life and wistfulness, and obviously bonded to each other by friendship more profound than Driz had ever known in Melza Branson. So unlike the stories Hatchlet had spun of them, tales of vile, hating wretches. Driz sensed more than saw that his group was on the move, fanning out to gain a greater advantage. Still, he did not take his eyes from the spectacle before him. Dinan tapped him on the shoulder and pointed to the small crossbow that hung from his belt, then slipped off into position in the brush off the, to the side. Drizzt wanted to stop his brother and the others, wanted to make them wait and observe the surface elves that they were so quick to name enemies. Drizzt found his feet rooted to the earth and his tongue weighed heavily in the sudden dryness that had come into his mouth. He looked to Dinan and could only hope that his brother mistakenly thought his labored breaths the exhaustions of battle lust. Then Drizzt's keen ears heard the soft thrum of a dozen tiny bowstrings. The oven song carried on a moment longer until several of the group dropped to the earth. No! Drizzt screamed in protest, the words torn from his body by a profound rage even he did not understand. A denial sounded like just another war cry to the drow raiders, and before the surface elves could even begin to react, Din and the others were upon them. Driz, too, leaped into the glade's lighted ring, his weapons in hand, though he had given no thought to his next move. He wanted only to stop the battle, to put an end to the scene unfolding before him. Quite at ease in their woodland home, the surface elves weren't even armed. The drow warriors sliced through the ranks mercilessly, cutting them down and hacking at their bodies long before the light of fire had flown from their eyes. One terrified female, dodging this way and that, came before Driz. He dipped the tips of his weapons to the earth, searching for some other way to give a measure of comfort. The female then jerked straight as a sword drove into her back, its tip thrusting right through her slender form. Drizzt watched, mesmerized and horrified, as the drow warrior behind her grasped the hilt of the weapon in both hands and twisted it savagely. The female elf looked straight at Drizzt in the last fleeting seconds of her life, her eyes crying for mercy. Her voice was no more than the sickening gurgle of blood. His face, the exultation of ecstasy, the drow warrior tore his sword free and sliced it across, taking the head from the elven female's shoulders. "'Vengeance!' he cried at Drizzt. His face contorted in furious glee, his eyes burning with a light that shone demonic in the stunned, to the stunned Drizzt. The wizard hacked at the lifeless... The warrior hacked at the lifeless body one more time, then spun away in search of another kill. 
Only a moment later, another elf, this one a young girl, broke free of the massacre and rushed in Driz's direction, screaming a single word over and over. Her cry was in the tongue of the surface elves, a dialect foreign to Driz, but when he looked upon her fair face, streaked with tears, he understood what she was saying. Her eyes were on the mutilated corpse at his feet. Her anguish outweighed even the terror of her own impending doom. She could only be crying, Mother! Rage, horror, anguish, and a dozen other emotions racked Drizzt at that horrible moment. He wanted to escape his feelings, to lose himself in the blind frenzy of his kin, and accept the ugly reality. How easy it would have been to throw away the conscience that pained him so. The elven child rushed up before Driz, but hardly saw him. Her gaze locked upon her dead mother, the back of the child's neck opened to a single clean blow. Drizzt raised his scimitar, unable to distinguish between mercy and murder. "'Yes, my brother!' Denon cried out to him. A call that cut through his comrade's screams and whoops and echoed Drizzt's ears like an accusation. Drizzt looked up to see Denon covered from head to foot in blood and standing amid a hacked cluster of dead elves. "'Today you know the glory it is to be drow!' Denon cried, and he punched the victorious fist into the air. "'Today we appease the Spider Queen!' Drizzt responded in kind, then snarled and reared back for a killing blow. He almost did it. In his unfocused outrage, Drizzt Dorn almost became as his kin. He almost stole the life from that beautiful child's sparkling eyes. At the last moment she looked up at him, her eyes shining as a dark mirror into Drizzt's blackening heart. In that reflection, the reverse image of the rage that guided his hand, Drizzt Orden found himself. He brought the scimitar down in a mighty sweep, watching Dinan out the corner of his eye as it whisked harmlessly past the child. In this same motion, Drizzt followed with his other hand, catching the girl by the front of her tunic and pulled her face down to the ground. She screamed, unharmed but terrified, and Driz saw Dinan thrust his fist in the air again and spin away. Driz had to work quickly. The battle was almost at its gruesome end. He sliced his scimitars expertly above the cuddled child's back, cutting her clothing but not so much as scratching her tender skin. Then he used the blood of the headless corpse to mask the trick, taking grim satisfaction that the other, that the elven mother would be pleased to know that in dying, she had saved the life of her daughter. "'Stay down,' he whispered in the child's ear. Driz knew that she could not understand his language, but he tried to keep his tone comforting enough for her to guess at the deception. He could only hope he had done an adequate job of a moment later when Dinan and several others came over to him. "'Well done,' Dinan said exuberantly, trembling with sheer excitement." A score of the orc bait dead, and not a, one of us even injured. The matrons of Menzelbarans and will be pleased indeed that we'll get no plunder from this pitiful lot. He looked down at the pile of Drizzt's feet, then clapped his brother on the shoulder. Did they think they could get away? Dinan roared. Drizzt fought hard to sublimate his disgust, but Dinan was so entranced by the bloodbath that he wouldn't have noticed anyway. Not with you here! Then continued, two kills for Drizzt. 
One kill, protested another, stepping beside Dinan. Driz set his hands firmly on the hilts of his weapons and gathered up his courage. If this approaching drow had guessed the deception, Driz would fight to save the elven child. He would kill his companions, even his brother, to save the little girl with the sparkling eyes. Until he himself was slain. At least then Driz would not have to witness their slaughter of the child. Luckily, the problem never came up. Driz got the child, the drow said to Dinan, but I got the older female. I put my sword right through her back before your brother even brought a scimitar to bear. It came as a reflex, an unconscious strike against the evil all about him, but Driz didn't even realize the act as it happened. A moment later, he saw the boasting drow lying on his back, clutching at his face and groaning in agony. Only then did Driz notice this burning pain in his hand, and he looked down to see his knuckles and the scimitar hilt they clutched, spattered with blood. "'What are you about?' Dinan demanded. Thinking quickly, Driz did not even reply to his brother. He looked past Dinan to the squirming form on the ground and transferred all the rage in his heart into a curse that the others would accept and respect. "'If ever you steal a kill from me again,' he spat sincerity dripping from his false words. I will replace the head of the lost from its shoulders with your own. Triss knew that the elven child at his feet, though doing her best, had begun a slight shudder of sobbing, and he decided not to press his luck. Come then, he growled. Let us leave this place. The stench of the surface will fill my mouth with bile. He stormed away, and the others, laughing, picked up their dazed comrade and followed. Finally, Denon whispered as he watched his brother's tense strides. Finally, you have learned what it is to be a drow warrior. Denon, in his blindness, would never understand the irony of his words. We have one more duty before we return home, the cleric explained at the group when it reached the cave's entrance. She alone knew the raid's second purpose. The matrons of Menzel Branson have bid us to witness the ultimate horror of the surface world that we might warn our kindred. Our kindred, Trist mused, his thoughts black with sarcasm. As far as he could see, the raiders had already witnessed the horror of the surface world themselves. There, Dinan cried, pointing to the eastern horizon. The tiniest shading of light limbed the dark outline of distant mountains. A surface dweller would not even have noticed it, but the dark elves saw it clearly, and all of them, even Drizzt, recoiled instinctively. It is beautiful, Drizzt dared to remark after taking a moment to consider the spectacle. Dinan's glare came at him icy cold, but no colder than the low look the cleric cast Drizzt's way. Remove your cloaks and equipment, even your armor, she instructed the group. Quickly, place them within the shadows of the cave so they will not be affected by the light. When the task was completed, the cleric led them out into the growing light. Watch, was her grim command. The eastern sky assumed a hue of a purplish pink, then pink. Altogether, its brightening causing the dark elves to squint uncomfortably. Drizzt wanted to deny the event, to put it into the same pile of anger that denied the master of the lore's words concerning the, earth, the surface elves. Then it happened. The top rim of the sun crested the eastern horizon. The surface world awakened to its warmth, its life-giving energy. Those same rays assaulted the drow elves' eyes with a fury of fire, tearing into orbs unaccustomed to such sights. 
Watch, the cleric cried at them. Witness the depths of horror. One by one, the raiders cried out in pain and fell into the cave's darkness until Driz stood alone beside the cleric in the glowing day growing daylight. Truly the light assaulted Driz as keenly as it had his kin, but he basked in it, accepting it as his purgatory, exposing him all for, for all to view while its stinging fires cleansed his soul. Come, the cleric said to him at length, not understanding his actions. We have borne witness. We may now return to our homeland. Homeland? Driz replied, subdued. Manzo Baranzan, the cleric cried, thinking the male confused beyond reason. Come before the inferno burns the skin from your bones. Let our surface cousins suffer the flames, a fitting punishment for their evil hearts. Driz chuckled hopelessly. A fitting punishment? He wished that he could pluck a thousand such suns from the sky and set them in every chapel in Mount Branson to shine eternally. Then Driz could take the light no more. He scrambled dizzily back into the cave and donned his outfit. The cleric had the orb in hand, and Driz again was the first through the tiny crack. When all the group rejoined in the tunnel beyond, Driz took his position at the point and led them back into the descending path's deepening gloom back down into the darkness of their existence. 21. May it please the goddess. Did you please the goddess? Matron Malice asked, her question as much a threat as an inquiry. At her side, the f other females of House de Warden, Brisa, Vierna, and Maya, looked on impassively, hiding their jealousy. Not a single drow was slain, Dinan replied, his voice thick with the sweetness of drow evil. We cut them and slashed them. He drooled that his recounting of the elven slaughter brought back the lust of the moment. Bit them and ripped them. What have you, matron mother interrupted, more concerned with the consequences to her own family standing than with the raid's general success. Five, Dinan answered proudly. I killed five, all of them females. The matron's smile thrilled Dinan. Then Malice scowled, and she turned her gaze to Drizzt. And him? She inquired, not expecting to be pleased with the answer. Malice did not doubt her youngest son's prowess with weapons, but she had come to suspect that the Drizzt had too much of Zachnafian's emotional makeup to ever be an attribute in such situations. Didn't smile confused her. He walked over to Drizzt and draped an arm comfortably across his brother's shoulders. Drizzt got only one kill, Drizzt Dinan began, but it was a female child. Only one, Malice growled. From the shadows off to the sides, Eknafian listened in dismay. He wanted to shut out the elder boy, Dordan's damning words, but they held Zack in the grip of all the evil Zacks had, evils Zack had ever encountered in Menzel Baranzan. This surely had to be the most disappointing. Drizzt had killed a child. But the way he did it, exclaimed Dinan, he hacked her apart, sent all of Loth's fury slicing into her twitching body. The Spider Queen must have treasured that kill above all the others. Only one, Major Malice said again, her scowl hardly softening. He would have had two, Dinan continued. Shah Nadal of House Maverick stole one from his blade, another female. Then Loth will look with favor on House Maverick. Brisa reasoned. 
No, Dinan replied. Driz punished Shah Nadal for his actions. The son of House Maverick will not respond to the challenge. The memory stuck in Driz's thoughts. He wished that the Shah Nadal had come back at him so he could have vented his rage more fully. Even that wish sent pangs of guilt coursing through Drizzt. Well done, my children, Malice beamed, now satisfied that both of them had acted properly in the raid. The Spider Queen will look upon House Durden with favor for this event. She will guide us to victory over the unknown house that seeks to destroy us. Zaknafian left the audience hall with his eyes down and one hand nervously rubbing his sword's hilt. Zack remembered the time he had deceived Drizzt with the light bomb, when he had Drizzt defenseless and beaten. He could have spared the young innocent from his horrid fate. He could have killed Drizzt then and there, mercifully, and released him from the inevitable circumstances of life immense Branson. Zack paused in the long corridor and turned back to watch the chamber. Drizzt and Dinan came out then, Drizzt casting Zack a single accusatory look and pointedly turning away down a side passage. The gaze cut through the weapon master. So it has come to this, Zack murmured to himself, the youngest warrior of House Dwarden, so full of the hate that embodies our race, has learned to despise me for what I am. Zack thought again at that moment in the training gym and that fateful second when Drizzt's life teetered on the edge of a poised sword. It indeed would have been a merciful act to kill Drizzt at that time. With the sting of the young drow warrior's gaze still cutting so keenly into his heart, Zack couldn't decide whether the deed would have been more merciful to Drizzt or to himself. Leave us! Agent Senefei commanded as she swept into the small room lighted by a candle's glow. Alton gawked at the request. It was, after all, his personal room. Alton prudently reminded himself that Senefe was the matron mother of the family, the absolute ruler of House Honette. With a few awkward bows and apologies for his hesitation, he backed out of the room. Massage watched his mother cautiously as she waited for Alton to move away. From Senefe's agitated tone, Massage understood the significance of her visit. Had he done something to anger his mother, or... More likely had Alton. When Santa Fe spun back on him, her face twisted in, in evil glee. Massage realized that her agitation was really excitement. Torden has erred, she snarled. It has lost the Spider Queen's favor. How? Massage replied. He knew that Dinan and Driz had returned from a successful raid, an assault that all of the city was talking about in tones of high praise. I do not know the details, Merton Senefe replied, <clears throat> finding a measure of calmness in her voice. One of them, perhaps one of the sons, did something to displease Loth. This was told to me by a handmaiden of the Spider Queen. It must be true. Matron Malice will work quickly to correct the situation, Massage reasoned. How long do we have? Lost displeasure will not be revealed to Matron Malice, Sanafe replied. Not soon. The Spider Queen knows all. She knows that we plan to attack House Dorden, and only an unfortunate accident will inform Matron Malice of her desperate situation before her house is crushed. We must move quickly, Matron Sanafe went on. Within ten cycles of the bundle, the first strike must fall. 
The full battle will begin soon after, before House Warden can link its loss to our wrongdoing. What is to be their sudden loss? Massage prompted, thinking, hoping he had already guessed the answer. His mother's words were like sweet music to his ears. Trezd Dorn, she purred, the favored son, kill him. Massage rested back and clasped his slender fingers behind his head, considering the command. You will not fail me, Santa Fe warned. I will not, Massage assured her. Drizzt, though young, is already a powerful foe. His brother, a former master of Mila McFerry, is never far from his side. He looked up at his mother, matron mother, his eyes gleaming. May I kill the brother, too? Be cautious, my son, Sanafe replied. Drizzt Orton is your target. Concentrate your efforts toward his death. As you command, the massage replied, bowing low. Senefi liked the way her young son heeded to her desires without question. She started out of the room, confident in Massage's ability to perform the task. If Dinendorn somehow gets in the way, she said, turning back to throw Massage a gift for his obedience, you may kill him too. Massage's expression revealed too much eagerness for the second task. You will not fail me. Santa Fe said again, this time in an open threat that stole, stole some of the wind out of Massage's filling sails. Jason must die within ten days. Massage forced any distracting thoughts of Dinan out of his mind. Drizzt must die, he whispered over and over. Long after his mother had gone, he already knew how he wanted to do it. He only had to hope that the opportunity would come soon. The awful memory of the surface raid followed Drizzt's haunted him as he wandered the halls of Dear Menashe's Bianan. He had rushed from the audience chamber as soon as Matron Malice had dismissed him and had slipped away from his brother at the first opportunity, wanting only to be alone. The images remained, the broken spark on the young elven girl's eyes as she knelt over her murdered mother's corpse. The elven woman's horrified expression, twisting in agony as Sharnadal ripped the life from her body. The surface elves were there in Drizzt's thoughts. He could not dismiss them. They walked beside Drizzt as he wandered, as real as they had been when Drizzt's raiding group had descended upon the, their joyful song. Drizzt wondered if he, would, if he would ever be alone again. Eyes down, consumed by his empty sense of loss, Driss did not mark the path before him. He jumped back, startled, when he turned a corner and bumped into somebody. He stood facing Zeknafian. "'You are home,' the weapon master said absently, his blank face revealing none of the tumultuous emotions swirling through his mind. Driss wondered if he could properly hide his own grimace. "'For a day,' he replied, equally nonchalant, though his rage at Zeknafian was no less intense." Now that Drizzt had witnessed the wrath of Drow Elves firsthand, Zack's reputed deeds rang out to Drizzt as even more evil. My patrol group goes back out at Narbondal's first light. So soon, asked Zack, genuinely surprised. We are summoned, Drizzt replied, starting past. Zack caught him by the arm. <coughs> General patrol, he asked. Focused, Driz replied. Activity in the eastern tunnels. 
So the heroes are summoned, chuckled Zack. Driz did not immediately respond. Was there sarcasm in Zack's voice? Jealousy, perhaps, that Driz and Dinan were allowed to go out to fight while Zack had to remain within the house Doran's confines to fill, fulfill his role as the family's fighting instructor? Was Zack's hunger for the blood so great that he could not accept the duties thrust upon them all? Zack had trained Drizzt and Dinan, had he not? And hundreds of others, he transformed them into living weapons, into murderers. How long will you be out? Zack pressed, more interested in Drizzt's whereabouts. Drizzt shrugged. A week at the longest. And then? Home. That is good, said Zack. I will be pleased to see you back within the walls of House Dorden. Drizzt didn't believe a word of it. Zack then slapped him on the shoulder in a sudden, unexpected movement designed to test Drizzt's reflexes. More surprised and threatened, Dinan accepted the pat without response, not sure of his uncle's intent. The gym, perhaps? asked Zack. You and I, as it once was? Impossible, Drizzt wanted to shout. Never again would it be as it once was. Drizzt held those thoughts to himself and nodded his assent. I would enjoy that, he replied, secretly wondering how much satisfaction he would gain by cutting Zeknafian down. Drizzt knew the truth of his people now, and he knew that he was powerless to change anything. Maybe he could make a change in his private life, though. Maybe by destroying Zeknafian, his greatest disappointment, Drizzt could remove himself from the wrongness around him. As would I, Zack said, the friendliness of his tone hiding his private thoughts. Thoughts identical to Drizzt's. In a week, then, Drizzt said, and he pulled away, unable to continue the encounter with the drow who had once been his dearest friend and who, Drizzt had come to learn, was truly as devious and evil as the rest of his kin. Please, my matron, Alton whimpered, it, it is my rights, I beg of you. Rest easy, foolish diverse, Senefe replied, and there was pity in her voice, an emotion seldom felt and almost never revealed. I have waited. The time is almost upon you, Senefe countered, her tone growing more threatening. You have tried for this one before. Alton's grotesque gawk brought a smile to Senefe's face. Yes, she said, I know of your bungled attempt on Drizdorn's life. If Massage had not arrived, the young warrior would probably have slain you. I would have destroyed him, Alton growled. Sanafi did not argue the point. Perhaps you would have won, she said, only to be exposed as a murderous imposter with the wrath of all Mansell Baranzan hanging over your head. I did not care. You would have cared, I promise you, Sanafi sneered. You would have forfeited your chance to claim a greater revenge. Trust in me, Alton Devere. Your our victory is at hand. Massage will kill Drizzt and maybe Dinan, Alton grumbled. There are other Dordans awaiting the fell hand of Alton Devere, Matron Senefe promised. High priestesses. Alton could not dismiss the disappointment he felt at not being allowed to go after Drizzt. He badly wanted to kill that one. Driss had brought him embarrassment that day in his chambers at Sociere. The young drow should have died quickly and quietly. Alton wanted to make up for that mistake. Alton also could not ignore the promise that Matron Sinefe 
had just made to him. The thought of killing one or more of the high priestesses of House Dewarden did not displease him at all. The pillowy softness of the plush bed, so different from the rest of the hard stone world of men's brands, and offered Driz no relief from the pain. Another ghost had reared up over to reared up to overwhelm even the images of carnage on the surface, the specter of Zaknathian. Dinan and Vierna had told Driz the truth of the weapon master, of Zach's role in the fall of House Devere, and of how Zach so enjoyed slaughtering other drow. Other drow who had done nothing to him or deserve his wrath. So Zaknafian, too, took part in this evil game of drow life, the endless quest to please the Spider Queen. So as I pleased her on the surface, Driz couldn't help but mumble, the sarcasm of the spoken words bringing him some small measure of comfort. The comfort Driz felt in saving the life of the elven child seemed such a minor act against the overwhelming wrongs his raiding group had exacted on her people. Matron Malice, his mother, had so enjoyed hearing the bloody recounting. Driz remembered the elven child's horror at the sight of her dead mother. Would he or any dark elf be so devastated if they looked upon such a sight? Unlikely, he thought. Drizzt hardly shared a loving bond with Malice, and most drow would be too engaged in measuring the consequences of their mother's death to their own station to feel any sense of loss. Would Malice have cared if either Drizzt or Dinan had fallen in the raid? Again, Drizzt knew the answer. All that Malice cared about was how the raid affected her own base of power. She had reveled in the notion that her children had pleased her evil goddess. What favor would Loth show to House de Orden if she knew the truth of Drizzt's actions? Drizzt had no way to measure how much, if any, interest the Spider Queen had taken in the raid. Loth remained a mystery to him, one he had no desire to explore. He Would she be enraged if she knew the truth of the raid, or if she knew the truth of Drizzt's thoughts at that moment? Drizzt shuddered to think of the punishment he might be bringing upon himself, but he had already firmly decided upon his course of action. Whatever the consequences, he would return to House Dorden in a week. He would go then to the practice gym for a reunion with his old teacher. He would kill Zagnafian in a week. Caught up in the emotions of a dangerous and heartfelt decision, Zagnafian hardly heard the biting scrape as he ran the whetstone along his sword's gleaming edge. The weapon had to be perfect, with no jags or burrs. This deed had to be executed without malice or anger. A clean blow, and Zack would rid himself of the demons of his own failures, hide himself once again with the, within the sanctuary of his private chambers, his secret world. A clean blow, and he would do what he should have done a decade before. If only I had found the strength then, he lamented. How much grief might I have spared, Drizzt? How much pain did his days at the academy bring to him so that he is so very changed? The words rang hollow in the empty room. They were just words, useless now, for Zack had already decided that Drizzt was out of reason's reach. Drizzt was a drow warrior, with all of the wicked connotations carried in such a title. 
The choice was gone to Zaknafian if he wished to hold any pretense of value to his wretched existence. This time he could not stay his sword. He had to kill Drizzt. Chapter 22 Gnomes, Wicked Gnomes Among the twists and turns of the tunnel mazes of the Underdark, slipping about their silent way, went the Snurfnebli, the Deep Gnomes, Neither kind nor evil, and so out of place in this world of pervading wickedness, the deep gnomes survived and thrived. Hardy fighters, skilled in crafting weapons and armor, and more in tune to the songs of the stone than even the evil gray dwarves. The swift nebli continued the business of plucking gems and precious metals in spite of the perils awaiting them at every turn. When the news came back to Blingdenstone, the cluster of tunnels and caverns that composed the deep gnome city, that a rich vein of gemstones had been discovered twenty miles to the east, as the rockworm, the Thokwa, burrowed. Burrow warden Belwar Disengulp had to climb over a dozen others of his rank to be awarded the privilege of leading the mining expedition. Belwar and all the others knew well that forty miles east, as the rockworm burrowed, would put the expedition dangerously close to Menza Branson, and that even getting there would mean a week of hiking probably through the territories of a hundred other enemies. Fear was no measure against the love Swift Nebley had for gems, though an every day in the Underdark was a risk. When Belwer and his forty miners arrived in the small cavern to described by the advanced scouts and inscribed with the gnome's mark of treasure, they found that the claims had not been exaggerated. The borough warden took care not to get overly excited, though. He knew that 20,000 draw elves, the Swerf Nebli's most hated and feared enemy, lived fewer than five miles away. Escape tunnels became the first order of business, winding constrictions high enough for a three-foot gnome, but not for a taller pursuer. All along the course of these, the gnomes placed breaker walls, designed to reflect a lightning bolt or offer some protection from the expanding flames of a fireball. Then, when the true mean mining at last began, Bower kept his fully a third of his crew on guard at all times, and walked the area of the work with one hand always clutching the the magical emerald, the summoning stone he kept on a chain around his neck. Three field patrol groups, Driz remarked to Dinan, when they arrived at the open field on the eastern side of Menzel Baranzan. The Eustaglagmites lined this region of the city, but it did not seem so open now, with dozens of anxious drow milling about. Gnomes are not to be taken lightly, Dinan replied. They are wicked and powerful. As wicked as the surface elves, Trist had to interrupt, covering his sarcasm with false exuberance. Almost, his brother warned grimly, missing the connotations of Drizzt's question. Dinan pointed off to the side where a contingent of female drow were coming in to join the group. Clerics, he said. And one of them a high priestess. The rumors of activity must have been confirmed. A shudder coursed through Drizzt, a tingle of pre-battle excitement. That excitement was altered and lessened, though, by fear, not of physical harm, or even of the gnomes. Drizzt feared that the, this encounter might be a repeat of the surface tragedy. He shook the black thoughts away and reminded himself that this time, unlike the surface expedition, his home was being invaded. 
the gnomes had crossed the boundaries of the drow realm. If they were as evil as Dinan and all the others claimed, Benza Brandon had no choice but to respond with force. If. Driz Patrol, the most celebrated group among the males, was selected to lead, and Driz, as always, took the point position. Still unsure, he wasn't thrilled with the assignment. And as they started out, Driz even contemplated leading the group astray, or perhaps Driz thought he could contact the gnomes privately before the others arrived and warn them to flee. Driz realized the absurdity of the notion. He couldn't stop the wheels of Menza Branson from turning along their designated course, and he couldn't do anything to hinder the two-score draw warriors, excited and impatient, at his back. Again he was trapped and on the edge of despair. Massage had not appeared then and made everything better. Gwenevar, the young wizard called, and the great panther came bounding. Massage left the cat beside Drizzt and headed back toward the place in the line. Gwenevar could no more hide its elation at seeing Drizzt than Drizzt could contain his own smile. With the interruption of the surface raid and then his time back home, he hadn't seen Gwenevar in more than a month. Gwenevar thumped against Drizzt's side as it passed, nearly knocking the slender drow from his feet. Driss responded with a heavy pat, vigorously rubbing a hand over the cat's ear. <laughs> Turned back together, suddenly conscious of the unhappy glare boring into them. There stood Massage, arms crossed over his chest and a visible scowl heating up his face. I shan't use the cat to kill Driz, the young wizard muttered to himself. I want the pleasure for myself. Driz wondered if jealousy prompted that scowl. Jealousy or of Driz and the cat, or of something, of everything in general. Massage had been left behind when Driz had gone to the surface. Massage had been no more than a spectator when the victorious raiding party returned to glory. Driz backed away from Guenevar, sensitive to the wizard's pain. As soon as Massage had moved away to take his position farther down the line, Driz dropped to one knee and threw a headlock on Guenevar. Drizzt found himself even gladder for Guenevar's companionship and they passed beyond the familiar tunnels of the normal patrol routes. It was a saying in Menza Branson that no one is as alone as the point of a drow patrol, and Drizzt had come to understand this keenly in the last few months. He stopped at the far end of a wide way and held perfectly still, focusing his ears and eyes at the trails behind him. He knew that more than forty drow were approaching this position, fully arrayed for battle and agitated. Still, not a sound could Driz detect, and not a moment was discernible in the eerie shadows of cool stone. Driz looked down at Guenevar, waiting patiently by his side, and started off again. He could sense the hot presence of the war party at his back, the intangible sensation that was the only thing that disproved Drizzt's feelings that he and Guinevar were quite alone. Near the end of that day, Drizzt heard the first signs of trouble. As he neared an intersection in the tunnel, cautiously pressed close to one wall, he felt a subtle vibration in the stone. It came again a second later, and then again, and Drizzt recognized it as the rhythmic tapping of a pick or hammer. He took a magically heated sheet, a small square that fit in the palm of his hand, out of his pack. One side of the item was shielded in heavy leather, but the other shone brightly to eyes seeing the infrared spectrum. 
Chris flashed it down the tunnel behind him, and a few others seconds later didn't came up beside him. Hammer, Tris signaled in the silent code, pointing to the wall. Didn't press against the stone and nodded in conf confirmation. Fifty yards, Didn't's hand motions asked. Less than one hundred, Tris confirmed. With his own prepared sheet, Dinan flashed the get-ready signal into the gloom behind him, <clears throat> then moved with Drizzt and Guinevar around the intersection toward the tapping. Only a moment later, Drizzt looked upon stiff, nebbly gnomes for the very first time. Two guards stood barely twenty feet away, chest high to a drow and hairless, with skin strangely akin to the stone in both texture and heat radiations. The gnome's eyes glowed brightly in the telltale red of infravision. One glance at those eyes reminded Drizzt and Dinan that deep gnomes were as much at home in the darkness as were the drow, and they both prudently ducked behind a rocky outcropping in the tunnel. Dinan promptly signaled to the next drow in line, and so on, until the next entire party was alerted. Then he crouched low and peeked out around the bottom of the outcropping. The tunnel continued another thirty feet beyond the gnome guards and around a slight bend, ending in some larger chamber. Dinan couldn't clearly see this area, but the glow of it from the heat of the work and a cluster of bodies spilled out into the corridor. Again, Dinan signaled back to his hidden comrades and then turned to Driz. Stay here with the cat, he instructed, and he darted back down the, around the intersection to formulate plans with the other leaders. Massage, a few places back in the line, noted Dinan's movement and wondered if the opportunity to deal with Driz had suddenly come upon him. If the patrol was discovered Drizzt all alone up in front, was there some way Massage could secretly blast a young Dorden? The opportunity, if ever it was truly there, passed quickly, though, as other drow soldiers came up beside the plotting wizard. Dinan soon returned from the back of the line and headed back to the join his brother. The chamber had so many exits, Dinan signaled to Drizzt when they were together. The other patrols are moving into position around the gnomes. Might we parley with the gnomes? Triz's hands asked in reply, almost subconsciously. He recognized the expression spreading across Dinan's face, but he knew that he had already plunged in. Send them away without conflict. Dinan grabbed Drizzt by the front of his piwafi and pulled him cl close, too close to that terrible scowl. I will forget that you asked that question, he whispered, and he dropped Driz back to the stone, considering the issue closed. You start the fight, Dinan signaled. When you see the sign from behind, darken the corridor and rush past the guards. Get to the gnome leader. He is the key to their strength within the stone. Driz didn't fully understand what gnomish power his brother hinted at, but the instructions seemed simple enough, if somewhat suicidal. Take the cat if the cat will go, Dinan continued. The entire patrol will be by your side in moments. The remaining groups will come in from the other passages. Guinevar nuzzled up to Drizzt, more than ready to allow him and follow him into battle. Drizzt took comfort in that when Dinan departed, leaving him alone again at the front. Only a few seconds later came the command to attack. Drizzt shook his head in disbelief when he saw the signal. How fast our war warriors found their positions. He peeked around at the gnomish guards, still holding their silent vigil, completely unaware. Driz drew his blades and patted Guinevere for luck, then called upon the innate magic of his race and dropped a globe of darkness in the corridor. Squeals of alarm sounded throughout the tunnels, and Driz charged in, diving right into the darkness between them. The unseen guards and rolling back to his feet on the other side of the 
bell. The only two running strides from the small chamber, he saw a dozen gnomes scrambling about, trying to prepare their defenses. Few of them paid Drizzt any attention, though, as the sounds of battle erupted from various corridors. One gnome chopped a heavy pick at Drizzt's shoulder. Drizzt got a blade up to block the blow, but was amazed at the strength of the minute of gnome's arms. Still, Drizzt could then have killed his attacker with the other scimitar. Too many doubts and too many memories, though, haunted his actions. He brought a leg up into the gnome's belly, sending the little creature sprawling. Belwar Disengulp, next in line for Drizzt, noted how easily the young drow had dispatched one of his finest fighters, and knew that the time had already come to use his most powerful magic. He pulled the emerald summoning stone from his neck and threw it to the ground at Drizzt's feet. Drizzt jumped back, sensing the emanations of magic. Behind him, Drizzt heard the approach of his companions, overpowering the shocked gnome guards and rushing to join him in the chamber. Then Drizzt's attentions went squarely to the heat patterns of the stone floor in front of him. The grayish lines wavered and swam as if the stone was somehow coming alive. The other drought fighters roared in past Drizzt, bearing down on the gnome leader and his charges. Drizzt didn't follow, guessing that the event unfolding at his feet was more critical than the general battle now, echoing throughout the complex. Fifteen feet tall and seven wide, an angry, towering, humanoid monster of living stone rose before Driz. Elemental! came a scream to the side. Driz glanced over to see Massage, Guinevar at his side, fumbling through a spellbook, apparently in search of some dwarmer to battle this unexpected monster. To Driz's dismay, the frightened wizard mumbled a couple of words and vanished. Driz set his feet under him and took a measure of the monster, ready to spring aside in an instant. He could sense the thing's power, the raw strength of the earth embodied in living arms and legs. A lumbering arm swung out in a wide arc, whooshing above Driz's ducking head and slamming into the cavern wall, crushing rocks into dust. Let it hit me, Driz instructed himself in a whisper that came out as a disbelieving gasp, as the elemental recoiled its arm, Driz poked a scimitar at it, chipping away a small chunk, barely a scratch. The elemental grimaced in pain. Apparently Driz could indeed hurt it with his enchanted weapons. Still, standing in the same spot off to the side, the invisible massage held his next spell in check, watching the spectacle and waiting for the combatants to weaken each other. Perhaps the elemental would destroy Driz altogether. Invisible shoulders gave a resigned shrug. Massage decided to let the gnomish power do his dirty work for him. The monster launched another blow, and another, and Drizzt dove forward and scrambled through the thing's stone pillar legs. The elemental reacted quickly and stomped heavily with one foot, barely missing the agile drow and sending branching cracks in the floor from many feet in either direction. Drizzt was up in a flash, slicing and thrusting with both his blades into the elemental's backside then springing back out of reach as the monster swung about, leading with an, another ferocious blow. The sounds of battle grew more silent. The gnomes had taken flight, those that were still alive, but the drow warriors were in full pursuit, leaving Drizzt to face the elemental. The monster stomped again, the foot of the thunder of its foot nearly knocking Drizzt from his feet, and then it came in hard, falling down at Drizzt, using the tonnage of its body as a weapon. If Drizzt had been even slightly surprised, or if his reflexes had not been honed to such perfection, he surely would have been crushed flat. 
He managed to get to the side of the monster's bulk while taking only a glancing blow from a swinging arm. Dust rushed up from the terrific impact. Cavern walls and ceiling cracked and dropped flecks and stones to the floor as the elemental regained his feet, drizzed, backed away. Overwhelmed by such unconquerable strength, he was all alone against it, or so Driz thought. A sudden ball of hot fury enveloped the elemental's head, claws raking deep scratches into its face. Guinevere! Driz and Massage shouted in unison, Driz in elation that an ally had been found in Massage and Rage. The wizard did not want Driz to survive this battle, and he dared not launch any magical attacks at Driz or the elemental with his precious Guinevere in the way. Do something, wizard, Driz cried, recognizing the shout and understanding how, now that Massage was still around, the elemental bellowed in pain, its cry sounding at the, as the rumble of huge boulders crashing down a rocky mountain. Even as Driz moved back in to help his feline friend, the monster spun impossibly quick and dove headfirst into the floor. No, Driz cried, realizing that Guinevere would be crushed. Then the cat and the elemental, instead of slamming against a stone, sank down into it. Last, we have run out of time, ladies and gentlemen. I thank you for tuning in on this most recent episode and the reading of R.I. Salvatore's The Legend of Drizzt, Book One, Homeland, formerly known as Book One of the Dark Elf Trilogy. Thank you again for listening in. Please, Tell your friends if you think they would enjoy hearing it. Tell anyone that you wish. I'd like to hear what you all have to think about my dramatic reading, what you, all your thoughts, good or bad. I want to hear any critiques so that I will know what I need to do in the future, even about technique of how I'm doing the podcast can you hear it properly all that good stuff uh, leave your quotes your comments anywhere that you can find them i know that you can do it through apple podcasts i don't know about any of the others i haven't found it myself but thank you all again and until next time take care bye-bye